Every Wednesday on the website, scoopswithdannymac.com, we talk it over with Brian Walton of thecardinalnation.com. Does a great job covering the Cardinals minor league system, minor leagues uh, as a whole, and it's business as usual for the most part for the minor leagues right now. And, of course, it's a lockout with Major League Baseball. But, uh, Brian, let's get into some of the top stories of the year. And you have uh, chronicled those on your website, also looking at the top prospects that you're unveiling in that countdown as well. And I should say uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you. How are we doing? Yeah, same to you, Dan, and same to all of our regular listeners out there. Hope you're enjoying uh, many of you a little downtime between Christmas and the New Year. Absolutely. But we don't, Brian. We continue to go on these uh, Wednesdays, as we always do. Uh, where do you want to start? you want to start with your top prospects and some of those that you unveiled, or do you want to get into some of the stories of uh, this following uh, this past year? Well, let's talk about the top prospects. As uh, readers know, listeners know, um, we unveil 50 prospects, the best 50 prospects in the Cardinals system each year, and we unveil them on a daily basis as we roll through the end of one year and into the new year. And uh, over the last week or so, uh, we've talked about Delvin Perez, the shortstop who has reached double A, but just hasn't yet been able to put it together defensively, um, could be, ex- well, will be exposed in the Rule 5 draft if it's ever held, uh, the Major League phase. Um, you know, it still has a chance to reach St. Louis, but without, you know, without uh, stepping up with the bat, it's going to be hard for him to hold a job. Um, after him was Levi Prater, a promising left-hander who has had some injury problems and and some major control problems, but also uh, has a very, very good strikeout arm and uh, pitched at high A and will likely, you know, move up to double A. And his role will depend on whether he can master that control and come up with an effective third pitch. Uh, Patrick Romeri, an outfielder uh, with good power potential. Um, He's a guy who was moved up from the Gulf Coast League in 2019 all the way up to Class A, and that was a big step. It took Patrick Romeri a while to play up to the level of Class A, but by the end of the season, uh, he was playing at the level, and he's a guy that would likely be promoted to Peoria next year. Uh, Jake Walsh, the right-hander that really burst onto the scene this last year, uh, touching reportedly 100 miles an hour in Springfield, um, went to the got a late promotion to Memphis, went to the Arizona Fall League, and earned his way onto the 40-man roster. And Jake Walsh is a guy that folks need to familiarize themselves with because now that he's on the 40-man, after a little more seasoning at Memphis, and he, I, I predict he'll probably be the Memphis closer this year, Jake Walsh will likely uh, will be a guy we'll see in St. Louis sometime in the second half of the season. Um, just put up uh, this morning, Kramer Robertson, who a, was a fourth-rounder in 2017, has been around a long time, um, kind of lost in the shuffle of all the other middle infielders in the system that tend to get more attention. But Robertson had a very, very good year with Memphis this last season with the bat, plays multiple positions. You know, but his challenge to reach the majors is going to be, you know, with guys in, guys in front of him like Brendan Donovan and, of course, Nolan Gorman and others, you know, he's going to have to look for an opportunity as, a, as an infielder to crack the St. Louis lineup. So we're now reaching – we've got just got through the top – the first half of the top 50, and so we'll be continuing to unveil them on a regular basis. Yeah, I love reading these, and uh, there's a couple guys I do want to ask you about. So let's go back into Walsh a little bit and just maybe your expectations. You said probably AAA, but would you anticipate him early next year? You know, is it going to take a while to get to the big leagues? What What do you think the uh, the timetable might be? Walsh only came up to Memphis for the in, in September, just at the very end of the season. Uh, as I said, he he uh, reason, and he also had about a COVID last year, so he 
he was a little bit slowed. And part of the reason he went to the Arizona Fall League, not just because of his promise, but also, you know, organizations like the Cardinals use the Arizona Fall League for guys to get more work who maybe didn't, you know, weren't able to put in a full season. I think there's certainly the need for Walsh to get some more innings at Memphis. And, and I, so I really think, you know, he's likely a second half candidate, but a lot depends on injuries as well. And, you know, as we saw this last year, the, the relief pipeline to Memphis, you know, got kind of depleted pretty quickly when, as Junior Fernandez and Helsley and Whitley, you know, dealt with injuries at different times. And that's, of course, when the Cardinals went outside and picked up guys like McFarland and Garcia, who were really lifesavers for the team in, in 2021. No doubt. Delvin Perez, we've been, you know, talking about him for so long. You ever think he, uh, we see him in the big leagues with the Cardinals? I don't know, Dan, if he's going to make it to the big league with the, Card- with, the, with the Cardinals. But, you know, you think about a guy like Pete Cosma, and I went back and looked at, at Pete's minor league um, stats, his career, you know, his career numbers in the minor league, very similar to Delvin Perez's. And Pete Cosma spent parts of nine years in the major leagues. But, you know, he could never stick because while his glove was very good, his bat just wasn't good enough. And, you know, with, with a designated hitter and teams are really looking for guys that can provide, provide a little thump off the bat. So a, a defense only guy as a reserve is, is hard to keep around. Yeah, uh, there's no doubt. I want to go in now to, to some of your top stories of the year. I, I find these fun and it re, it just reminds me of things that were happening this year. And uh, this morning you wake up on your page and it's Nolan Arenado and it's uh, all the gold gloves that the Cardinals won this past year. Six finalists, five winners and uh, not too shabby. No, and the Cardinals won the team award as well that uh, the Gold Glove, Rawlings Gold Glove folks give out to the best team defense. And that's not surprising when you have an unprecedented five winners out of the nine positions. And, you know, it's easy in our focus on stats to, you know, focus on pitching, focus on offense. And the defensive stats are a little less clear. They're, you know, muddier, murkier. But, you know, there's no doubt those who watch the St. Louis Cardinals play every day realize that a key reason that they reached the playoffs was that defense and how it helped strengthen the pitching. Did you think it was going to be this good? I thought it was going to be good. I didn't realize it was going to be this good. No, I really, I really didn't. And, you know, I mean, you think about it, um, you know, there were some who said O'Neal's first gold glove was kind of a fluke and, you know, he really wouldn't be able to sustain. He did. Of course, we knew, you know, Harrison Bader's excellence was, you know, it was only a matter of time until he was recognized. But I think Tommy Edmonds, a guy who really, you know, you have to give credit to, you know, he, he's been moved around defensively and uh, he really showed that, you know, he could handle it, handle that major league uh, role at second base. And, you know, for him to get that award was a, was really a, uh, I think a testament to his hard work as a, as a player. One of the uh, stories that uh, you, you wrote about too was Ted Simmons and what a, what a summer for Ted. He gets a statue number retired. And then finally uh, long overdue, but he goes into Cooperstown. Yeah. The, the rich history of the Cardinals is something that, you know, we should never, ever take for granted. And Ted Simmons was, was a great player for a long time. When I, you know, when I was much younger and followed the Cardinals as a, as a young man, as a fan, you know, Ted Simmons was just, he epitomized the team, tough, hard-nosed, uh, could hit, play good defense. And it was a, it was a tough day for me when I, when he was traded, you know, by Whitey Herzog to Milwaukee, but it was a, you know, a matter of making the team better. But Ted Simmons was a hall of fame player, both as a Cardinal and, and, you know, with his additional time at Milwaukee and and Atlanta, and he's just a a great person as well. And so it was just, it's great that, you know, because so many times, you know, a guy like Ron Santo, for example, doesn't reach the hall of fame until after he passes. And for Ted, not that Ted Simmons is close to dying anytime soon, but you know, he's up there in years and you just like to see a guy, 
get the recognition when he can actually soak it up and really enjoy it. And for him to be recognized both in Cooperstown and by the Cardinals, I mean, he's only the 14th individual in the history of the team to receive retired number recognition. So that's a big, big deal. And and Ted Simmons really deserved it. Absolutely. Um, you also talked about uh, on some of the stories, but the three big Cardinals or at least three big names that departed this year, uh, Dexter Fowler, Matt Carpenter, uh, we also saw Carlos Martinez. So three guys that we have seen uh, have pretty, you know, impactful years with the Cardinals uh, gone. And so obviously it's a changing of the guard a little bit in that regard too. Yeah, it's really a transition. And of course the best teams and the Cardinals are very, very good at this. They've always been good at this sort of, you know, making transitions on the fly with the roster as opposed to, you know, doing what the Cubs did, for example, which is tear, tear down and, and build back up again. And, you know, we really saw that over this last year. Dexter Fowler, of course, departed uh, back in February, right before camp opened. But then at the end of the season, Matt Carpenter and Carlos Martinez, the team had options on them, on their on their services. So they could have remained with St. Louis, but they were at the point of their careers where they're, you know, reaching, getting into the 30s, and the production wasn't meeting the salaries that they were given. And, you know, it's unfortunately, it's the business side of baseball where, you you know, you'd say as a person, you know, Matt Carpenter should be a Cardinal for life. But as a baseball player, you know, there's probably better options for them to consider in the future. And that takes nothing away from the great years that, that Matt Carpenter had. But, you know, he also experienced a pretty rapid decline later in his career. You know, Carlos Martinez is another one of those stories of what ifs, right? You know, what if Carlos could have figured out all of his off field issues and the injuries and the things that kept him from really meeting his potential. And again, we're talking about a guy who was a two-time all-star, so it's not like Carlos Martinez wasn't a good player, but I'll always wonder, you know, what if, how good could Carlos Martinez have been if he could have really put it all together? Juan Yepes was also on your, your top 10 stories that uh, unfolded this year. Yeah, Juan Yepes is such, you know, such, a, such a great success story to see a young man who you know, sort of languished in the minor leagues, kind of got lost in Class A ball for a number of years. And then all of a sudden, after the strike year, during the strike year, he dedicated himself to, rededicated himself to the game and came back in 2021 and was no fluke. I mean, this guy hit all year long from Springfield, moved to Memphis and continued to hit well, went to the Arizona Fall League, named co-hitter of the year, earned his way onto the 40-man roster, didn't appear in the wild card game, but he made the major leagues as a, you know, in a season when at the beginning of the year, I mean, he wasn't even in major league camp. So he's, you know, he's just a great success story. He's very well positioned to compete for at bats uh, with St. Louis in 2022. All right, Brian, uh, what's going on on the site? I know you're working on your top stories, top prospects. Uh, what else is happening right now as we wrap it up? Well, those are really the key things. You know, there's no news going on in terms of labor actions. Of course, we're also posting our regular updates on the Cardinals playing winter ball, the, the winter league teams in uh in Mexico, Colombia, Venezuela, uh, Dominican Republic are moving to their playoffs, and the, the Caribbean series is just a few weeks away, so we're continuing to watch them. And other stories that are coming up in our top ten of the year are things people would uh, would probably expect: the emergence of the outfielders, uh, you know, the, the some of the great pitchers that the Cardinals added during the season. Uh, Molina Wainwright's always a big story. Of course, the 17-game winning streak, the change in the managerial office. And we can't forget the Nolan Arenado trade, which occurred during 2021. And, uh, you know, that was a pretty seismic trade for the St. Louis Cardinals and one that paved their way to the successful year they had. No doubt. No doubt. Hey, Brian, have a great, safe, happy new year. And uh, we will catch up, my friend, next Wednesday. You got it. See you in 2022. You got it, buddy. Thank you for doing this as always. It's Brian Walton, and this is ScoopsWithDannyMac.com.